Welcome back to the program. Let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' holy name. We thank you and praise you for who you are and for all that you've done for us. And in this Easter season, Father, we ask that the Spirit of your risen Son, glorified, would be alive in us. Holy Spirit, come and anoint us for the work of the gospel today that is ours, the the work that is in our hands to do. And we do pray especially for the gift of life, life in the the womb of uh, the wombs of mothers. We pray for those vulnerable little ones, especially uh, in countries where abortion is still legal. And we pray for those who have been wounded and traumatized and damaged through the abortions they've experienced, and all those who are associated with those. Lord, we ask that you would bring about a culture of life. And I ask, Lord, that you'd bless the Sisters for Life. Bless that community. Bless their work, Lord, in this country. May they be a, a, a seed, a leaven, salt and light, to help bring the gospel of life uh, to bear in this world. Thank you, Lord. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, today... After lots of email communications, I was finally able to get the interview, yes, with Sister Jordan Rose is her name. She is a member, a sister, a nun, a member of the Sisters for Life, and she's joining me today because she, along with two of her companions, will be coming out to Western Washington to Holy Rosary in Edmonds for a woman's retreat. Yes, that's right, coming up in about nine days. Uh, in on It's on Memorial Day weekend. And so you'll hear more about that uh, as the interview goes on. But I know you're going to love this interview. It's uh, Sister Jordan is amazing, and you're going to sense and see it, experience it yourself in the course of the interview. So I will not delay any longer. Let's dive into the interview, and then I'll come back at the end of the program to offer a couple of brief reflections. Well, let me welcome to the program, Sister Jordan Rose. She is with the Sisters of Life, and she is coming to the great Northwest very soon here. We're very excited to welcome you, Sister Jordan Rose. Thanks for being with me today on Sound Insight. Oh, thank you so much, Tom. It's a joy to be with you on on your program, and then a joy to anticipate coming out to the beautiful Northwest soon. Well, Sister, I just want to let you know, you are an image of God, irreplaceable. Do you like that? I like that. That sounds familiar. It sounds familiar. Sister, where did I get that from? <laughs> I'm looking at this wonderful page of these bright, joyful, religious sisters of the Sisters of Life. Um, that is, you are an image of God, irreplaceable. Is It's the, it's, I don't know, really call it the motto. It's, the, it's a phrase that sits front and center on your website. Why is that, sister? Why do you start as a, as a community with that as your, call it a motto, as your uh, as your leading statement? Well, really, the charism, the gift of the Holy Spirit that was given to our community, this, this charism of life, um, really, in a sense, sings that truth, you know, that every human being is created in the image and likeness of God. Their life is a gift, and therefore, they are irreplaceable. Each life is unique. Each life is sacred. Um, and so, yeah, those that kind of that tagline or that motto is kind of at the heart of of every encounter that we um, that we have with those who come to us. Um, what we try to communicate and what God desires to communicate to every soul. Well, it it it, it evokes for me uh, Saint John Paul II with his you know gift message. His message about each person is a gift and that has that precious quality to them and. I love how you sisters are, are living out that charism that you have. And for folks who are not aware, talk a bit about the charism, the mission of the Sisters of Life. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, so, yes, I shared that our, our charism is this charism of life, and it's, it's broad and it's beautiful, and it's, it's the life of the Lord. And how has he called us as the Sisters of Life uh, to live this charism, especially in this time? Uh, first and foremost, we always say and we believe, and it is true, that our first work as sisters is prayer, this 
union with God, uh, that he calls every soul into this union of dialogue with him. And it's from that place uh, that then all of our, our practical, you know, hands-on missions flow. And what do those look like? Right now, it's primarily our mission to women who are pregnant and in crisis, um, who have no one to turn to, um, who are afraid and alone and are in need of support, whether it's, you know, physical, emotional, spiritual, um, the practical needs that she has um, as she's looking towards this pregnancy um, and uh, everything in between. You know, we're just a sister to her. But we also have a ministry of retreats, you know, inviting people to come in and to just be renewed in uh, that gift of, of life, the gift of their own life, their own goodness. Um, as our founder would say, just to kind of come in out of the rain of our culture and to be renewed in truth. So uh, a ministry of retreat. Uh, we also have a, a very beautiful and uh, sacred ministry of ministering to those who have suffered abortion. You know, we call it our, our hope and healing ministry, inviting uh, women to know the Lord's mercy, uh, to know that there is no sin so great that his love is not deeper still, and he desires to pour his merciful love into every wound. So that is a, a beautiful ministry of ours. We also are on ca uh, college campuses in a in a few locations. It's a, one of our smaller apostolates, but we're seeing where the Holy Spirit leads. Um, and then, I don't think anything else. Those are those are our main our main ministries right now. We'll see what God has in store. Sister, I love what you just said, and, and now I'm going to tell you a secret. It's just between the two of us, okay? It was my oldest daughter, yeah. Mary Grace, was on your website as she's discerning her own life vocation. Like, what's the Lord have for her? And she's open to a religious life, and she has such a passion for the life issues, especially for mm -hmm. the unborn. And um, it was just, it was really interesting to, to listen to her. Um, go and, and watch some videos and uh, take a look at the different uh, forms of ministry that you're all doing. Um, mm. What's amazing is, sister, you you look at the community and there's so many of you and there's so many yeah. young ones like you, yeah. which is beautiful. What an incredible sign of encouragement that the Lord is at work. The Lord is calling many to be consecrated to him in, in such a beautiful way, living the, the consecrated life. And that uh, you're, you're, you're together fulfilling this beautiful mission. So I would love to know how a young woman from central Idaho finds her way to the <laughs> Sisters of Life in New York City. What happened? You know, I ask myself the same question frequently. <laughs> I ask the Lord. Um, yeah, I... By the grace of God, I encountered the Sisters of Life and really just the, even the notion of religious life at World Youth Day in Madrid, Spain. So um, when you were talking about John Paul II earlier, I just I thank him all the time for the gift of World Youth Day and the gift of the gift of encounter with him and with um, with religious. Uh, for many of us who you know grow up in the Northwest um, and and don't necessarily encounter. Uh, women religious on a regular basis, if at all. So there I was uh, right out of college in, in, in Madrid, and I saw these young, joyful sisters. And I recognized in just in my few conversations that I had with them and that this notion of religious life wasn't just you know, something out there or like a story in a, in a saint, in a saint book. Um, but this is a real woman before me who is in love with a person. She is in love with Jesus Christ. And what she is doing um, isn't about her doing. It's about this relationship with God that is total and full and beautiful and life-giving because she couldn't be as joyful as she is um, without those things being true. So it really uh, prompted in my heart uh, this question, you know, could this be for me? Could this be my call to love? And um, and I I was taken aback. I couldn't I couldn't believe it uh, that this question even came up. At first, I was like, Oh no 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 no, Lord, these are my plans. I'm I uh, was a Wazoo uh, graduate planning to be an elementary teacher. And uh, moving to New York and being a sister was was nowhere on the on the radar. But 
I couldn't shake it. I just couldn't shake this, this prompting and this invitation in my heart to just come, come and see. And when I, when I learned more about the Sisters of Life and about the charism, especially, my heart just exploded. It was like, this is, this is what I'm made for. This, um, this total freely given love at the service of the most vulnerable. That this, the truth that every human life is sacred and, and beautiful and good. And um, it just, it just, it just resonate. I, I can't even think of words. It's, it's beyond words that it just pierced me to the heart. And I knew it was true. And I knew that this was something that could be for me. And through this, a process of discernment, coming to visit the sisters, uh, I realized that this, the Lord was inviting me forward. And here, nine years later, thanks be to God, um, I am still following that voice in service of life. So sister, uh, I'm sure there's so much more to that journey, but folks, you're listening to sister Jordan Rose, and she's telling us just a little bit about her own vocational discernment and that led her to the sisters of life, a beautiful contemplative, active uh, Catholic community of sister women, religious uh, that are really now spread throughout the country. I, I, I remember you sisters way back in the Cardinal O'Connor days in, uh, yeah. in New York only, but on your website, it's like, wow, you're just growing and expanding and blossoming uh, in amazing ways. I, that's, a, that's so beautiful. What an incredible sign of fruit. Praise the Lord. We are, we are grateful um, for the gift of, of expansion and growth, and it's only something he could do. You know, and, and it's true, we have, we have grown a lot in the past few years and gone to new areas where slowly making our way out west. We have sisters in Denver, and this past year we opened up a, a convent in Phoenix. Um, of course, my northwest heart is praying for something, something in that neck of the woods someday, but yeah, God is good. God is good. We are, we are, we are growing by his grace. Well, and uh, folks, if you want to have a chance to meet Sister Jordan Rose, as well as um, is Sister Madeline is also going to be out here. Is that right? And then yes, Sister yes. Anne Catherine will also be out here. Uh, will be uh, be out here in Edmonds at Holy Rosary Parish for a woman's retreat. And that's coming up on the 27th and 28th of May. So uh, that's a beautiful activity if you're wondering what to do. If you want a memorable weekend on Memorial Day weekend, that was a little joke there, sister. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Yeah, the twenty seventh and twenty eighth uh, at Holy Rosary in Edmonds, and I wasn't sister. I, I was actually told not to promote the retreat too much because it's so crowded right now. That oh my goodness! That, yeah, they have um, already um, over a hundred uh, women registered, and they can only take about twenty more. And so, and that's before this interview. So. Watch out. So folks, if uh, women, if you want to go on this retreat, you better call right away uh, the, the, or go on to Holy Rosary Edmonds website, holyrosaryedmonds.org website, and you'll see a link to the retreat and the ability to register right there. But um, uh, I do want to say this is an incredible opportunity to get a chance to talk to you, sister, and I really appreciate that. So sister, as we continue on, again, I'm talking with Sister Jordan Rose from the uh, the Sisters of Life, uh, giving us some time today to share about um, about their mission and ministry. And you shared a little bit about your vocation. Um, I want to mm-hmm. just, uh, let's just kind of tie a bow on that vocation question. And that is, you shared a little bit about your journey. Um, can mm-hmm. you think of one or two things that would be important for young people who are still single and discerning, things to consider doing? to help them grow in their awareness, their understanding of what God's vocation, God's call for their lives are. And um, how, how do you feel about it? Like, what do you, if you're scared, what do you do? If you're nervous, what do you do? If you're 
anxious? Mm. Like, how do you respond to that? So just for, I'm imagining that there may be a, a number of young women, young adult women who are listening to this and, and wondering, how do I know? And, and what do I do next? It's mm, a great question. And it's true. It's, it's, those are the questions at the heart of discernment. It's like, how, how do I know? And, and how do I go about, you know, following this prompting or is there a prompting, you know? I would say thinking about kind of two essentials, at least for me, you know, everybody's journey is different. And I think that's important to remember too. I remember when I was discerning, you know, trying to look up other people's stories and comparing my own, but honestly, the Lord works so uniquely with each soul that, um, that just to, to put the compare and despair to the side and, um, but two, two kind of pillars or fundamental uh, places of encountering him and hearing his voice um, that I was encouraged to um, to begin as I discerned uh, was trying to make it to to mass as frequently as possible um, and adoration you know, um, to try and really make uh, prayer um, uh, yet yeah, just the basis of everything. And at first I was like, you know, I, I don't normally go to daily mass every day. I don't, you know, pray a whole holy hour every day. And, and I didn't every day leading up to entering. But as I began um, going to mass more frequently, making more time for prayer, I recognized in my own heart, like a desire growing, you know, I want to go and I want to spend this time in prayer. Maybe I'll spend a little bit more or, you know, I want to go to, uh, to Mass more frequently. And just even recognizing within myself that growth, that growth and desire, oh, I want this. I want this time with the Lord. That helped me to, to know myself, to know my heart. It's like, oh, my, de- my growing desire is pointing towards something, you know, this deeper union with Him. So encourage, I definitely would encourage um, adoration or set-aside time of, of prayer and daily mass, as well as, um, if possible, it's so hard to find these days, and priests work so hard, but to find some um, sort of spiritual director, you know, we don't, we don't discern on our own, you know, we don't just figure this out by ourselves. And it's good to have a trusted person who you can talk it out with, and who can notice things that you may not even be noticing um, within yourself, you know, a sounding board. Um, and of course, you'd want this to be a person who is, is faithful and, and has your best interests at heart um, and has a gift of discernment. But just having a, having a guide or a, an understanding voice to, to share with along the journey is, is so helpful. And then just thinking about your, your, your question of, you know, what if, what if I'm afraid or anxious or um, the first words that come to mind are what John Paul II would always say, uh, you know, be, be not afraid, be not afraid. And uh, making, making acts of trust in the Lord, you know, like, Lord, I am afraid right now, but I'm going to choose to trust you in this moment, you know, where I, I'm going to go to mass or I'm going to, I'm going to spend this time in prayer um, or I'm going to call this community that I'm, that I'm interested in that has a charism that appeals to my heart. And uh, I, I trust in you, Lord. You cast out all fear. Just talk to him. You know, let, instead of talking to yourself, uh, which is so easy for all of us to do, uh, just speak it, all, speak it all to the Lord and let, let him be the one who, who speaks truth and light uh, to your soul. So that's uh, Sister Jordan Rose uh, sharing so beautifully. Uh, and I know uh, that you're touching many hearts, Sister. I'm going to share with you a, a quick story and see what you, how you, um, how you relate to this, what you think about this. So a dear friend of mine, the priest who actually married my wife, Carrie and me, uh, he, when he was uh, about to be ordained a deacon in this context, this is in St. Peter's Basilica uh, in Rome and he's in the, the vesting sacristy and he's now, getting, um, you know, uh, getting dressed in the liturgical vestments for the ordination he's about to have to the diaconate. And, and as he's processing out um, in the opening hymn, uh, this thought comes through his mind. And the thought was, I am about to experience a tremendous act of God's mercy to me. 
I'm about to experience a tremendous act of God's mercy to me. And I found that so profound because, you know, being in the seminary, guys are like looking towards that day where they're finally all in, right? They've, they've, they've gone through all the formation, they've gone through all the preparation, and now the time comes they're going to profess when they're ordained a deacon, they're entering the first stage of the sacrament of holy orders and they're professing celibacy. And you'd mm-hmm. think at a human level that his mindset would be, I hope the Lord is appreciating what I'm about to do for him. You know, I'm mm-hmm. about to give my whole life over to him. And he completely reversed it with, I'm about to experience a tremendous act of God's mercy to me. What do you think about that? And I want to hear about what you were thinking as you approached the altar and you professed, maybe it was your first vows or maybe it was your final vows. If anything about those moments still live in you. That is a beautiful story. And just that, that wording, um, I'm about to experience God's mercy to me. I would say that really is at the heart of the religious vocation in, in my experience. It's looking, looking back on my life and seeing where, what God has done, what he has brought me through, um, his, his unfailing love, his mercy, you know, that he, he calls. And it's not because of of my worthiness or anything that I have done or earned or merited, but purely his merciful love. And uh, last year in 2020, August of 2021, I um, had the mercy of, of professing my final vows in St. Patrick's Cathedral in Manhattan. And though I hadn't put those exact words on uh, or didn't those exact words weren't what came from my heart. It was just this tremendous sense of gratitude so that this, this call to, to live in such um, a deep and intimate union with the Lord uh, is pure gift is pure gift. Uh, So I, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't stop. I didn't know what I was going to do that day. If I was going to cry, if I was, you know what, but I just, I couldn't stop smiling because it was like receiving the greatest, the greatest gift of my life um, after the gift of my life um, and just the joy of, of knowing that the Lord knows me, you know, inside and out um, my, my gifts, my gaps, uh, my sins, my failings. And, and yet he still, he still had chosen me to follow him in this particular way. Um, yeah, so I, I just echo that that sentiment that there is just a profound and deep awareness of the goodness of God in in relationship with Him as a religious sister. Oh, thank you for sharing that beautiful story. Sister Jordan Rose is with me today on Sound Insight. We'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. I'm with Sister Jordan Rose from the Sisters of Life. And we got the, I got the privilege of being able to interview you, Sister, because you're coming out to Holy Rosary in Edmonds in a week and a half from now on the 27th and 28th. That's Memorial Day weekend. They'll be leading a women's retreat. And I think that's a beautiful thing that, Sisters, that you're coming out here to lead the retreat. Sisters, as you do, I know there are many themes that you cover and a couple that jump out at me, evangelization and healing, things like that. Um, as you go around and um, do retreats, especially in, like, let's call it in this moment in the church's life, where mm-hmm. there seem to be a lot of walking wounded, um, mm-hmm. are there particular themes that um, you sisters are discerning that ought to be emphasized right now, or uh, you're mm-hmm. sensing that people are responding to them in, in stronger ways right now, just because of the, like the time and place in which we're living. Beautiful question. And I would say one thing that is, that has struck me about, about our charism and about 
um, just kind of that basic message we spoke about at the beginning that, you know, you are good, you are loved, you are irreplaceable. It's so simple, but it's so profound. And I, and my experience as we've gone to speak, you know, at, whether it's at a parish or on a retreat and, uh, especially in these times, is that basic message of the goodness of the human person is, is touching people deeply. You know, we live, we're living in a culture that is, is more and more, um, you know, utilitarian or whatever. You can put a million labels on it. But that, that truth that you are good and your life matters, we all are thirsting for it. Oh, we all desire to hear it in the depths of our souls. And I think I'm, I know I'm surprised every time at just how much people are moved um, to hear that about their life, about their goodness. And then also, yes, you, you speak, you spoke of, of healing, you know, and, and that we're all walking wounded. It is true. So when we, when we speak on, on God's mercy, on the power of his merciful love to, to heal our woundedness, there is a great receptivity uh, to that message because we want to know uh, that there is hope. You know, the human, the human soul desires um, fullness and freedom, and our culture, you know, can can squelch that. And when we speak of God's mercy and that there's that He is just so in love with us and that he wants to come into those places of, of brokenness. Yeah, it touches, it touches something in all of us. And I, I see, I see people, you know, begin to ask questions or, uh, yeah, want, want to engage in that dialogue, wanting to know more about that truth that we believe. So sister, I'm I'm talking with sister Jordan Rose from the sisters of life. Um, You, one of the things that, uh, like as you speak, you speak in a beautiful way that peace just radiates from you. It, it's really powerful. Uh, I was praise speaking on my praise the Lord, praise the, but praise the Lord. But it's it's the fruit of your union with the Lord. Uh, I was talking on um, a recent program. I don't know yesterday or the day before how this moment in history, our our society, at least the dominant modes of culture that are so popular swindle us. That's the word. They swindle us Mm -hmm. of silence with Mm -hmm. the use of social media and smartphones and all of these other things. We become swindled out of silence. And I was making the case on the program that there are tremendous losses that come to our spiritual life when we're unable to be still in silence and to experience a contemplative approach to our relationship with the Lord, or even a contemplative approach, a more like wonder, standing in wonder in a contemplative gaze before the situation, the people that were around. But I was doing that as an active guy, lamenting the swindling power of of, uh, the loss of silence in my own life. So now that I have a contemplative sister here who lives an active (laughs) life, I want to ask you, please, um, witness to either or both, right? Any way you want to address it, the way in which the contemplative approach to life and prayer is such a vessel of encounter, of loving union, and of healing. Um, and the losses that occur when we are swindled out of silence, solitude, simplicity, and a contemplative approach to life. Wow. Amen. Um, I would say, um, just from, from my own experience uh, and, and the gift of being, being a contemplative, active community, um, yeah, the tremendous, I think, the great gift that we have and that in some way all of us can somehow foster in our lives is making time for silence. And it can feel like, oh, it's impossible, sister, you're crazy, you live in a dream world. But honestly, even if it's just 10 minutes a day, you know, giving, giving God that time of silent contemplation, um, giving him the space to speak, to, to gaze upon him, what that does for our souls, even if we can't, you know, tangibly, concretely uh, 
come away from that time saying, oh, this happened, you know, or God, God said this to me, just giving him that silent time. Then when we go out into the world, you know, we go out in all of our activity. Um, and here in New York, there's, there's a lot of hustle and bustle. When we go out and we bring with us that soul that had, been, had given God that time of silence, then when we encounter the other, there is a greater capacity, a greater space to then contemplate the Lord in that person. I'm thinking as you started um, uh, sharing, Tom, I was thinking about John Paul II in the Gospel of Life and his whole section on the contemplative outlook. And it's he, I'm paraphrasing, but he speaks of it's, it's having a gaze that sees every individual as a wonder. And only God, through silence, through time um, of prayer and union with him and c- contemplation, only he can foster that disposition, uh, that uh, perspective, that contemplative outlook in our souls. So, you know, it's like we, we almost have to be radicals, uh, counterculture, and make that time for silence. Say, no, I, I am made for this. I am made for this time of, of quietness before my creator. And just to see the fruit that comes then from every encounter after that. Um, I've just experienced it in, in our mission, in our ministry as essential. If we didn't begin our day with prayer, uh, we would all, you know, be, be empty vessels with nothing, with nothing to give and with eyes that, that don't see as he sees. So that, that would be my word of encouragement and my first thoughts that are coming after, after your question. Amen. Sister Jordan Rose, that's beautiful. It, I go back to your, your motto. You know, you're an image of God irreplaceable, but mm-hmm. will we have the eyes to see the image of God quality, the irreplaceable quality, the preciousness of the one who's in front of us, unless we are stepping apart from others and being alone with God? And I think so many people today and, and maybe young people today are very frightened of being alone with God because they probably experience it more like being alone by themselves. So it's isolation mm. and it's deadening rather than solitude that's enriching and, and setting us free. So I, I do think that sister, you're, you're a walking contradiction to, uh, there you go. How's that? How do you feel now, sister? Aren't you glad you came on the program? Um, I love superior, it. Don't ever let us on that program again. He called me a walking contradiction. So it's great. It's true. It's true. Sister, I have to, I have to ask you as you uh, do ministry in New York city and uh, you're walking about in, in your full habits, you're young, uh, you're with other sisters, you must get stopped all the time. You really, you must. And, and I want to know like, what's the most common question people ask and what's the most surprising question you've ever been asked? Oh, that's great. Well, the most common question is often, are you for real? You know, people, people want to know. <laughs> Where's the party? For real. Going to a party? I know. Right? <laughs> and we have to share, no, no, we're for real. We're for real. Um, and I would, and I'd say also following that, and sometimes surprisingly, because you never know what people are going to say, we will so often be asked, will you pray for me? You know, and, and it surprises me, especially in, in our day and age, but there is something in the heart of the other when they encounter a bunch of us, you know, walking on the, walking on the sidewalks of uh, the streets of Manhattan, and they see, they see our joy, they see our authenticity, um, praise be Jesus Christ, you know, the fruits of the Spirit, um, they, they know we're for real and we're for them, you know, we are for them, and so we're often asked, to pray for the other. And so we'll, whenever we can, whenever we have the time, we'll just, we'll stop, we'll stop and we'll pray, you know, and, and invite the Lord into, into that person's life. Right. Right. Then and there. Um, and, okay. Now uh, I want you bring to bring their intentions. Before I want to hear more about this sister. So what you're saying is it's not simply tell us your name. We'll put us on the intercessory prayer list and we'll remember you, but you're saying, <laughs> all right, sisters, roll up your sleeves, take out the crucifix, lay hands. Here we go. Come Holy spirit. Boom. Kingdom come right now. You say you pray with people live on the street, the sisters of life that you actually do this. Well, I mean, whenever we, when, if we're not dashing off to something, to something emergent, if someone asks, we'll say, yeah, can, tell us your name. Let's pray right now. 
I and it's love not, it. you know, it's not a, it's not a gospel revival moment, but it's, but it's a real encounter. You know, you ask the person their name and it's so, it's so our charism, you know, that, that every person is unique. Uh, they are called by name by almighty God. And this is maybe the first, the, uh, the last or the only um, moment of prayer they'll ever have. And so when, when somebody's willing, somebody's open to, to a little prayer, you know, and bringing the Holy Spirit in and bringing their intentions before him. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll bring the Lord right there. Let's go. Or he All more right. like he, he brings us there. He I brings us. No, I think that's <laughs> tremendous. Well, I got to tell you, it was a, a bunch of sisters praying over me in a parking lot in Houston that changed my family's life. So oh in the goodness. year, yeah. Does that intrigue you at all, sister? Come on. You, you want to hear That's the, amazing. Yes. Okay, so, I want to hear the story. All right. So it's, uh, let's see, it's 2000. It's the summer of 2000. And I'm down there for a conference and uh, a charismatic Catholic charismatic conference. And there's some sisters there. And uh, on the way out, the conference is done. Uh, I'm walking through the parking lot and there are some sisters and I said, sisters, I, I don't want to just you know, bother you. I said, would you just pray for me and my wife? Because we're struggling to have children. We had experienced infertility. Mm-hmm. We had experienced mm-hmm. a miscarriage. We had one child, but had experienced many miscarriages. And they're like, will we pray? And all of a sudden, before I knew it, sister, I was surrounded. They circled oh. around me. They started praying. Then they started singing. And I'm like, oh, my Lord, please bless this prayer. <laughs> well, eight children later... Uh, oh my goodness. I sent them a letter. <laughs> Sisters, aim the prayers at other people. We want to spread the bounty. So wow. uh, kingdom breakthroughs right there in the parking Amen. lot in Houston and on the sidewalks of New York City. I love it, sister. Don't ever stop doing that. I think that's beautiful. Oh, so well, sister. Praise the Lord. And that is an inspiring story. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So don't doubt it. Um, the kingdom, the kingdom of God at your fingertips there as you're walking the street. Okay, so what was the most surprising question you were ever asked? Or the one that you're like, whoa, that where did that come from? That's a great question. I'm trying to think. Um, I think one, I don't, it's one that surprised me was somebody who asked, are you really, are you really happy? Like almost kind of cynical, like seeing us all, you know, smiling and talking and like doubting, you know, is is not just like, are you for real? But like, like, are you really, are you really happy, you know, as what you are as a sister? Um, and, and just to be able to speak the truth of the joy of knowing, of knowing Jesus Christ, whether or not this person totally bought in or believed it at the end, you know, it's like, we are called to be witnesses, the joy, the joy of, of the Lord, of knowing him. And, um, so I was just surprised that they would be so so bold as to ask about about the authenticity of our happiness. But um, oh, yeah. I got to tell you. So here's my take on that, sister. You tell me if I'm wrong, but my take would be this: that guy is probably pursuing riches, power, and as much, let's say, um, enjoyment sexually as he can. And the idea, and as what he has been told is the path to true fulfillment, happiness, and and joy in his life, right? So he has eagerly chased after those as the goods that are going to fulfill him. And he has come up empty. He recognizes at whatever degree that those pursuits are not bringing him any kind of happiness or a joy that overflows. And then he sees you sisters and he's looking at you and he's like, wait a minute, you actually vow to surrender and give up and sacrifice those very things that I'm pursuing as the highest goods, how could you possibly be happy? And so True. sister contradiction, there you are again, just, you can't even help it. Just show up. On <laughs> I can't. And you're a walking sign of contradiction. And they're like, how can you be happy when you lack every, when you have surrendered 
and forsaken mm-hmm. everything that we are pursuing as a means to be happy and you're happier than we are. What is that all about? Yeah, it's true. It's so pretty radical. It is pretty radical. Well, and it's it what is it shows the truth that we're not only made by God, but we're made for God. And until we have that intimate, personal, profound, and life-giving relationship with the Father through the Son by the gift of his spirit, we, we are not going to mm-hmm. experience the overflowing joy uh, in the ache that's in our heart. It's going to remain an ache and it's going to be painful. And we're going to try to cover it up, destroy it, or or uh, ignore it if we can. And um mm-hmm. And, and those are our choices, right? Those are Jesus Christ is the supreme value, right? St. Paul talks about everything else is nothing compared to Christ. But if you have Christ, then you can have everything else. So I'm preaching at you, sister. I don't know what you signed no, up for. No, I love it. I but, love it. I didn't know I was going to get these incredible words from the spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, sister, sister Jordan Rose is coming out to Holy Rosary in Edmonds, along with sister Ann Catherine and, um, one other sister, Sister Madeline. Um, what's Sister Madeline? Uh, Madeline, what's her last? Sister Madeline Agnes. Agnes, Sister Madeline. Okay, I want to know. I, we're running out of time, but I want to know what's with the two word names. <laughs> well, some sisters have three. So what, sister? <laughs> I you, know. a, you didn't rape. You, you're a two word sister. I wanted. Why didn't I get to interview a three name sister? How come I ended up with a two name sister? I don't know what to tell you. God, God works simply with me. Just, uh, just two names. Um, every sister, every sister discerns during her first year uh, in religious life. We call that postulancy. She discerns what the Lord uh, might be calling her by. You know, this this new name, this new kind of mission. And uh, and yeah, so that's why you'll find a variety, a variety of names amongst us. Two or three names. Um, and yep, I'm just Sister Jordan Rose. Well, okay, but sister, you didn't tell me anything about how you sensed that the Lord had for you the name that he called you by name, Jordan Rose. Well, I, um, Jordan is actually my baptismal name. So it's the name that my parents gave me. And uh, growing up, I always uh, dreamt of a day when I would somehow have, you know, a more feminine name. I grew up in the, the, the height of the Michael Jordan era. And so um, when I entered religious life, I was like, oh, now is my chance. You know, the Lord's going to give me something, something incredibly elegant. Uh, but when I was praying about, you know, my identity in Christ, he really, he really brought me back to just the simple question, like, okay, Lord, who am I right now before you? You not, not who am I supposed to be or who maybe are you calling me by? Like, no, who am I right now? Uh, who is Jordan? And, and he he brought me in prayer to, to pray with, with the Jordan river, you know, this simple, uh, little, little stream almost compared with some of the mighty rivers we find in the, in the Northwest, um, in the middle of nowhere in the Holy land. And, and this is what he chose to institute that tremendous gift, the gift of baptism. This is the water that Jesus entered into, um, for us. And I learned that this, this river flows down to the lowest place to the Dead Sea. And in that really, as I, when I learned that there was this like, oh, moment, this kind of like, aha moment of like, Lord, that is what, that's what you're inviting me to, you know, to be, to be a, a channel and instrument of your grace flowing down into the, the lowest places, you know, the souls that are, that are dead, you know, inside or feel hopeless or at their lowest. So uh, yeah, this calling to, to be uh, an instrument of his love is life-giving, flowing love. And Rose is for uh, the heart of Mary, our Blessed Mother. I, as I prayed with her heart and came to know her more as a mother um, and picturing her immaculate heart, both with the roses and the swords, uh, it, it was kind of this, this sense on my heart that the beauty of Our Lady, the beauty of her maternal love comes from uh, both of those, the roses and the swords, that she she is our mother of sorrows. She knows our pain. She knows our sufferings. And it's from those places that the beauty, the life, um, the, the rose, you know, uh, comes forth. So the beauty of her maternal love and seeking to mirror that and imitate that in my own religious life and also just to, to receive it from her as my mother. So that's my little my little name story written by God. 
That is beautiful. I'm glad I asked you that. And I want to give you a gift, a parting gift. Uh, You've probably heard it before, but if not, maybe this is the whole reason for the whole interview is that you'll hear this word. So I was talking um, with my son. I actually had my son, John Mark, he's 16 on the program. And um, we happened to be praying a rosary together on the, on that, uh, on that particular radio program. And we were praying um, the luminous mysteries. And so the first luminous mystery, as you know, is the baptism of our Lord. And he offered a reflection on the program. He said that Jesus didn't enter the waters of the Jordan in order to be healed by the waters. He entered the waters of the Jordan to bring healing to the waters of the Jordan. And so maybe there's a way in which the Lord is saying to you, uh, I've named you Jordan because I intend to come to dwell in you to bring healing. And I'm going to say this, not only healing to you, but healing through you, because I do sense that you have a beautiful charism of um, just your presence and your person, just the way you speak. And I'm going to pray that the Lord would continue to use you, not would start, would continue to use you mightily and, and beautifully for his glory on this retreat coming up, but in just an all in your mission and ministry until you open up a, a new convent in uh, Post Falls, Idaho. It's just, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Well, well, wait a I'm minute. Where'd that come from? That too. last that last word. What happened? <laughs> I mean, oh. was that a Holy Spirit hijack? I don't know. I don't. I know. don't know. Just, just you got to be careful what you ask for, sister, in these interviews, right? Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Well, I it would be the greatest delight of my heart to to bring the charism of life uh, out to out to the Northwest in a, in a long lasting way. But I am so grateful that Jesus has allowed it for us to come out for the weekend. And I thank you for your, your beautiful word of encouragement in, in our ministry. Um, and for me specifically, thank you so much, Tom. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's Sister Jordan Rose. Please go check out the Sisters of Life, sistersoflife.org. Learn more about them. And they have lots of different media. So you can read blogs there. Sister's quite a writer. I counted 13 uh, different blog posts that you put out, or their articles, I think, that were reprinted uh, now as uh, on, on your site. Um, which is really cool. Uh, but then all kinds of other media as well. They have a 12-part series there as well and many other things that you can check out on sistersoflife.org. But again, if you are in the Redmond, uh, the, uh, Edmonds area and you want to be on retreat with Sister Jordan Rose as well as two other beautiful Sisters of Life in just over a week, only 20 spots left, please don't, uh, don't delay. If you're interested in going, go to holyrosaryedmonds.org to sign up for that retreat. Um, they only have a few spots left. Sister Jordan Rose, thank you so much for all the generosity and time you've given me today on Sound Insight. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much, Tom. Thank you for inviting me to be on the program and uh, for this beautiful opportunity to share a bit more about uh, just God's God's goodness and this gift, tremendous gift of life. Uh, it's been a blessing. So thank you. And Sister, last thing, I want to hear about like this eruption of a revival on the sidewalks of New York as the sisters of life are laying hands and praying over people. I'm waiting. <laughs> I'm waiting, sister. Okay. Keep your eyes posted on the New York times. Let's I see what will. happens. <laughs> I will. Thank you so much. sister. Oh, God bless you, Tom. Thank you so much. You're absolutely welcome. Thanks for taking time. All right. Well, there you have it. I told you. Uh, if you were with me at the beginning of the program, I mentioned that you would enjoy this interview. I'm guessing you did. Sister Jordan Rose uh, spoke very powerfully. It, w- it was moving for me uh, in the interview itself to uh, be interacting with her in that moment. And I think you probably got that sense. Um, I kept using the word peace. And and could you sense it yourself? And it's more than just the tone of her voice, but there's something deeper, right? There's something that is uh, at work. Um, When she shows up, there's a way in which the quality and depth of her spiritual life also shows up. That's not me, that's St. Thomas Aquinas, who, when he was defining the act of teaching, he defined it in relationship to the act of contemplation. You might remember in the course of the interview, uh, Sister Jordan Rose was uh, is part of a community that's contemplative and active, which 
is one of those challenges, like the Jesuits are contemplatives in action. In other words, a primary part of their mission is giving themselves over to contemplative prayer. That's a quiet form of prayer. And yet, they also engage in very active ministry work, an active apostolate that is out in the world, right? There are a lot of contemplative communities that remain behind monastery walls, and they're not lesser for it. In fact, they have that privileged call to be drawn apart in order to go even more deeply and spend even longer periods of solitude um, before the Lord, interceding for the world and praising God on our behalf. But she's part of a community that combines, integrates those uh, two aspects, the contemplative and the active aspects of, of missionary life. But the point is, is that it's handing over to others. This is the active teaching in St. Thomas Aquinas. The active teaching is handing over to others the fruits of what we have gazed upon. Handing over to others the fruits of what I have contemplated is the actual Latin word, contemplata. And that, that was my sense about Sister Jordan Rose is that when she shares, she's not just she doesn't just have a nice voice and a nice personality and, and is sharing the truths of the gospel that you've heard before, but she's a radiant witness to the realities that she is living deeply in the core of her being. And that that's what makes testimony so powerful. That what that's what makes that sense of personal connection, like that personal face-to-face interaction, so powerful. So I can imagine when she and her sisters are walking the streets of New York City, that yeah, they would be a kind of a spectacle because of what they're radiating. They're radiating a sense of peace and joy in a situation and in a city where people can can be in quite a, quite a hurry and with an attitude. <laughs> Let's not go there. But let's just, uh, as we're getting to the end of our program, just to say pray for the Sisters for Life. Pray for them. Pray that they would truly bear fruit and be that salt, light, and leaven for a culture of life uh, in our time, uh, which is in desperate need, right? There's so much at stake uh, in this moment of our country's life with the potential overturning of Roe versus Wade. We'll see. You'll be praying for that um, because flowing from that will be really a clarion call to even more serious engagement with regards to um, this reality that we are called to be witnesses um, to the gospel of life, witnesses to Jesus Christ, the bringer of all life. All right. God bless your day. Thank you so much for being with me today. And I do encourage you to join me tomorrow for more Sound Insight. Oh, and one last thing. Don't forget, if you really want to get in on that retreat with uh, sister and the other sisters for life go to holyrosaryedmonds.com give them a call register go to their website all right god bless your day